Daddy, what are you doing? Um, I'm recording a show. Oh. I wanna go where the moon shines bright. I wanna dance under the stars tonight. Hello, my faith-based investors. This is Financial Advisors. Say the darndest things. I'm your host and my mom's favorite faith-based investment advisor, A.B. Ridgeway. If this is your first time to the show, I want to say welcome. If you're coming back for another spiritual refill and want to learn more ways to increase your faith and increase your finances, welcome back. We have a very exciting show for you today. We'll be talking about tips to protect your retirement account after you leave your job. We'll be talking about lessons you should teach your kids about money and the two biggest mistakes you should avoid when trying to save for retirement. Before we start, I'd like to begin with the scripture, Psalms chapter 18, verse 30. As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. Today is all about protection. Protection of our retirement accounts, protecting of our savings, and protecting of our values. Now, we know that saving is hard, And saving for a day you may not live to see is harder. But let me tell you, living during an emergency with no money is the hardest thing you will ever do. Our scripture today comes from Romans chapter 8, verse 8. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. We all make mistakes with our faith and with our finances. I mean, even millionaires and, and priests do. So the next time that you're down, thinking you're you're not doing as well as your friends or, or other family members. Just remember, we all made mistakes that cost us big time. But here's the blessing. You still see them as successful, right? You still think they are great individuals with a good life, don't you? Well, that means there is still a chance for you. Now, I'm going to list two of the biggest mistakes we make And how to fix them so you can live the successful life you deserve. Mistake number one, not contributing to your company's 401k. Now, when we get our first job, we calculate how much we're going to make um, based on our hourly wage. You know, we, we open up that envelope on payday. We're just so excited. And what happens? The government has taken out almost half of your anticipated earnings. That's one. And. You thinking this this has got to be a mistake. So you run to your manager and you ask him, um, excuse me, uh, John, um, who is FICA? Because uh, my name is Tim. And why do they get so much of my money? Right. <laughs> so uh, you're frustrated, right? Because a lot of people don't know what FICA is. If you don't know what FICA is, FICA, it stands for Federal Insurance Contribution Act. Um, It's deducted from each check and contributes to credit, which will be used to calculate your Social Security benefits. So, you know, grandma who says I get paid Social Security, that's because grandma has paid into Social Security through the FICA tax. Right. Let's continue. Disappointed. You decide that you're going to hold on to the little bit of money that you have left and you're never going to invest another penny. Now, I want to stop you right there, please. Please, for the love of God, don't do this. This is where you could be leaving money on the table. I want, what I want you to do is I want you to check with your employer 
if they have a 401k plan, this may be a great way to get some of that money back. You know, you know some employees will even match your contributions into a 401k retirement plan dollar for dollar up to 4% or more. Come on now. That's free money. Now, now before you go and you throw everything into your retirement, there are some things that you will want to have in order before you do. So here are some things to consider. One, this is a retirement account and there may be penalties for early withdrawals if you're under the age of 59 and a half. Now, now there are some exceptions for the first time home purchases and education, but please consult with an advisor to figure out your, your options. Two, what are your living expenses and your debts owed? If you have outstanding debt with high interest rates, you may want to get your daily finances under control first. Also, what is the match? All retirement plans are not created equal. Believe it or not, some retirement plans don't even match. So what should you do to find out? Request a copy of your employee benefits from your human resource department and have a representative discuss your specific plan. Now, there is no doubt that when investing, those who start early with all things considered will do better than those who start later in life. So make sure you take some time to review your retirement options and see where you can pick up a few dollars from your company. So if you're in your 20s, early 30s, or even 40s, start now. Don't wait until you're 55. Don't wait until you're 58 to decide to invest. If you start early, even small, 10, 20, 50, $100, 200, whatever it may be, you're going to be way further ahead than somebody who starts later. Okay? Mistake number two, not having an emergency fund. Now, I get it. You're having the time of your life, right? You have friends. You have income. You're living on your own, right? And the world seems perfect until you blow out a tire. Now you're looking at a $200 bill. No way to get to work. Now what do you do? If you're like the typical 20-year-old, you'll put on your credit card and put that little extra $5 that you save to pay the minimum balance. Yeah, they're not bothering me. I pay the minimum balance. I can keep going, right? Well, look at this. After six months, a few missed payments and late charges, that $200 bill, guess how much that is? $245. Now, this is a story of how a majority of credit card debt starts, and the story doesn't end well. You know, for most individuals, the reason is because people are paying today's debt with tomorrow's earnings. That's why you should consider having an emergency fund. So that's great. A, B, that's great. You have an emergency fund, but how much is enough? Well, that depends on a few variables, and I'll give you a short list to consider. This is how you calculate how much you should keep in an emergency fund. So one, you want to calculate your monthly expenses. I, I know it's hard, but you got to figure out how much you're spending. I mean, yes, you can go out and buy whatever you want to, but let's write it down here. You want to count how many working individuals and dependents you have in the household. So if you have... Um, two working individuals, you may not need to save as much because somebody loses a job, etc. You also want to add together the net amount of income. And then you're going to take that number and subtract it from your expenses, from your income and pick a percentage to save. So let me say that one more time. How much you spend, how much income net that you're bringing in that's after taxes and you're going to subtract it. And that's going to give you an amount that you're able to invest or an amount that you're able to save towards your uh, emergency fund. Right. 
So in general, the rule of thumb is six to nine months of living expenses is a good start. Now, there are other variables such as number of dependents. If you have six kids versus two kids, you may want to save a little bit more. Right. If you have a plan for a large purchase like a home, you may want to keep more in savings for your down payment. Things are happening within 12 months. Right. And any major life event, such as the birth of a child or maybe a marriage, will also affect the amount that you should save. Okay. Well, listen here. Here's a pro tip that you can hear and you can take with you. When you choose a percentage to save as opposed to a dollar amount, what that means is 5% versus $20. Even when your cash flow changes, you know, like maybe you don't get paid as much or maybe there was an emergency, you can always save. Let me give you an example. You may not always have $20, but you will always have 5% of even $1. What that means is this is this will consistently bring you some saving strength, right? Because if, if you say, I'm, I'm, I'm saving $20 every paycheck, everything else, something comes up, you don't, you break that habit. But if you say, I'm going to save 10% of everything that I have left over, even if you only have $10, you're going to save that $1. Even if you only have $1, you're going to save that 10 cent. And you're going to keep that habit of saving in your mind. And I want people to, to remember that as well. So remember, the more streams of income that you have, you know, whether it's two parents or grandparents in the house or whatever it may be, the more conservative you can be on the emergency fund. But these rules are not laws. Right. So savings is a feeling process and you want to feel secure. But remember, with even with too much cash or cash equivalents, you can still run into what they call purchasing power risk. So more is not always better when it comes to cash. And I'm going to give you a little definition here. Inflation risk is what they call purchasing power risk. When the price of a good goes up, you are unable to pay the same. You're, not, you're unable to buy, excuse me, the same amount of goods with the same amount of money. For example, when I was growing up, gum was 25 cent. With inflation, you're looking at the packages is like 35 cent and 45 cent. Now, if I had a quarter for gum, I can't buy that same pack of gum anymore. That's what's called inflation. So before you start investing in the hottest stocks or you buy an NFT or whatever's out there, make sure your debt is paid off and you have money in case of an emergency. Now, I want to make one more point before we wrap up this section here. Paul explains in Romans that we are divided into two parts, the flesh and the spirit. He reminds us that we should be led by the spirit and not the flesh. Our financial lives also are divided into two parts. The nice to haves and the have to haves. So if we take a legitimate inventory of our life and the things we spend our money on, we'll find out that the things that we think we have to have are merely things that are nice to have. Netflix, it's nice to have. Three pairs of shoes, hmm, it's nice to have. Having food delivered to your door is nice to have, but it's not a have to have. So God instructs us to be led by the spirit. And this is pleasing to God. This is what Paul meant when he said those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. The flesh will distract us from the true purpose of our financial spirit. Paul is pleading with us to seek our higher selves above the animalistic nature that is the flesh and pursue the things that are righteous. Taking care of your family is righteous. Being able to financially take care of yourself and the people you love is righteous. So let's go to the next one. 
we're going to give you some tips to protect your retirement account after you leave your job. So congratulations. You're now making the change you've always wanted. And in the middle of what some are pe people are calling the great resignation. But, but this new sense of freedom may come with a new sense of anxiety, especially if you don't know if you're returned to work or not. I mean, how would not having a job affect your retirement fund? You may not know much about matching contributions. Should you do a lump sum? Should you leave it there? What about tax consequences? These questions may start to consume you. And now that you're not participating in your company's plan, I mean, what do you do? No more free money, right? Well, luckily, we have some help. By just taking a few extra steps to protect your money as you enjoy your retirement or find new jobs that fit you, you can help protect the money you worked so hard to save. But I want you to do, I want you to ask yourself, do you have enough money to retire or to change jobs? It may feel good in a moment to tell your manager where he can stick that job and post it on social media, right, for likes. But it may not feel so good when your money starts to run out because you couldn't afford to leave in the first place. Now, obviously, follow your heart. That's not a bad idea, right? But making a decision solely on emotions without facts and numbers can possibly cause you more pain in the long run. So before you quit, right, <laughs> let's take a moment. Let's consider some things. Where's your income coming from? How will you be covered for insurance, your medical, your dental, your vision? How large is your emergency fund just in case your projections are a little bit off? There are other considerations, but these are a good start. Now, we've all been spoiled for years with these high market stock returns and valuations of homes has increased, obviously. But this, it will always be like this thinking. It just may be dangerous. We want to strive for three to five years of living expenses in a conservative holding. We're talking about investments at this point. So when the market is very volatile as it is right now, you can use that money and wait for the markets to recover, right? I mean, to be honest, when it comes to projections, we tend to, listen to here, overestimate what we have and underestimate what we need. Things such as rising healthcare costs, inflation, and longer life expectancy are just some things you may not even consider when you said, I quit. So when you leave a job, that means you're leaving that retirement plan as well. Once again, no free money. Now, with that said, when you leave, what should you do? Take your money. Plain and simple. You're not working there. They're not contributing. Don't leave your money. You'll be surprised how many clients find lost accounts from old jobs. Or how many more never even find them at all due to the company no longer being in business, right? You know the old saying, out of sight, out of mind. So here are a few things you can do. One, you can leave it there. But because you're not there, you can't contribute and you won't begin to match either. So take that for what it is. You could take a lump sum distribution, but... You need to check on the taxes and penalties that may apply. If you're under 59 and a half, you may be penalized. Or you can convert it to a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. There are pros and cons to each, but they're tax deferred accounts. So then you don't have to worry about being penalized. And then the final one is just roll it over into your new job retirement plan. You can roll them over. Me personally, I, I recommend, let me not say recommend. When you're working for a job, 
You can't touch that money. You can take a loan off it. You can't do anything with it. But when you are moving out of your job, put it into your hands. That way you can put it into a traditional IRA. If you need something, you know it's close to you. You don't have to kind of chase another job around. But if you need help deciding if you should think about returning, excuse me, retiring, you can always schedule a consultation with a Christian financial advisor. They'll sit down. They'll help you go over these options if all of this is a little overwhelming at the current moment. Now, obviously, don't stop until you get enough. (laughs) I tell people that I just couldn't wait to have that Michael Jackson reference um, in one of my posts. But seriously, you shouldn't stop contributing to your retirement plan. I mean, not thinking about your future and only about the now will hurt you. You know, saving for retirement is the ability to replace income where you're no longer working. Thinking of it as the ability to pay yourself when your employer is not. I mean, even when you leave your job, you have a steady income from other sources. You have pensions, Social Security or even dividends from your investments. You still want to save. Think of the, the think of it this way. I think the best thing anyone can do before they make an irrational decision is just to stop, reflect, and speak with someone they trust and actually get some feedback. This, this is a huge decision you're going to have to make and you shouldn't have to do it alone. Now, this is a perfect time to let you all know that if you want more content from AB Ridgeway Wealth Management, make sure you subscribe to your favorite platforms. That's on Spotify. That's on Google Podcasts. That's Apple Podcasts and even Amazon Music. Be sure to check out our blog, Faith and Finance. And if you have, you know, if you're more of the visual person, you can go to our YouTube channel. Just search A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management. Follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest. And if you're a professional, we even have a LinkedIn profile. You know, and when you follow us, you'll have access to these type of clips, special guests, Q&A's, and webinars. I know you're all writing this down, right? Maybe. But if not, all the links will be in the description below. Now, let's kind of get back to the show. Our next scripture comes from Psalms chapter 22, verse 3. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. What are you teaching your kids about money and how it relates to the word of God? Now, when we teach our kids about morality, about truth and love for God, we tend to, you know, reference our favorite scriptures on this subject. But when it comes to money management, what scriptures are we referencing? What life lessons are we giving our children to guide them on the right path? This scripture speaks on God leading us to do the right thing for his namesake. Now, isn't the reason we want to guide our children down the right path? In all my years as a financial advisor, I've heard some great financial advice, how to calculate beta, setting up the proper asset allocation, setting short term and long term time horizons, et cetera, et cetera. But the most practical and simplistic advice came from my mother, a woman who labored hard for the United States Postal Service and is now enjoying a retirement where she can do anything she wishes. And what was her secret to success? I'll tell you on the next episode of A Few Minutes with God, a daily devotional where we help your fellow. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) I'm just joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm going to tell you. Um, So what did she say? She told me, don't spend the money until you get some more. So don't spend the money you have until you get some more. You catch that. Don't spend the money you have 
until you get some more. What does that do? That forces you to do is preserve what you have and manage it until you secure a future cash flow. Where a majority of people fall into debt is where they spend their current holdings in an anticipation of future cash flows that may or may not come. I'm getting paid next week. I'm getting paid in two weeks. You know, whatever. I'll, I'll spend this now. You know, when I get paid, I'll pay it off or whatever it may be. Right. So even even if you did, let's be optimistic. Let's say you're able to do that. You're simply filling in a gap that you've already created for yourself. You're not building. So you never feel like you are growing in your finances because technically you're not. You're digging holes and then filling them back up with dirt. And the, the philosophy kind of drives a majority of our financial decisions that investors make. Right. Believe it or not, this philosophy is actually the basis of loan generation. Many lenders want to know that you have assets before they will even lend you money. So this is to say. If you mismanage the money you have, the loan officer will not give you any more. People's like, well, I need money. It's like, why won't they loan me any money? You haven't proven that you can manage the money that you have. So why would anybody give you any? Right. So today, I want you to think of the life lessons you're going to teach your children about money. Also, think about the life lessons your parents taught you. Did they teach you the right things to do? Or did they warn you of the dangers that they may have felt victim to? The first step, in any case, is to seek the word of God. There are many scriptures about the proper use of money that you can guide your children to righteousness. And if all else fails, you can continue to tune in to this show as we continue to bring you practical financial advice that can help your family prosper in the Lord. We'll end with a prayer. Lord, allow me to be an asset to my children, giving them proper start in this life by giving them financial lessons that will help bring joy and prosperity in their lives. Because you give a spirit of abundance and hope and not of scarcity and fear. Lord, please remove the anxiety in my life as I move from the mind of the flesh into the mind of the spirit. As I forgive myself for any financial mistakes, I may have made in the past, I look to you for provision and trust in your guidance. And I will not lean on my own understanding, but seek the spirit to guide me to righteousness. I hope you've been blessed. As always, this episode was created by A.B. Ridgeway, owner of A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management, a virtual and in-person fee-only advisor that believes financial advice should have God in it. If you need figuring out your finances, feel free to reach out to us at 337-414-3686 or visit our website at www.abrwealthmanagement.com and schedule a free consultation. New episodes are available every Friday, so be sure to subscribe to the podcast. We can also listen to our podcast on your favorite platforms, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. Or simply visit our website and join our family there. I'm A.B. Ridgeway, and I'll see you on the other side of your blessing. Elijah One Ridgeway is an investment advisor, representative, owner of ABR Wealth Management, LLC, a registered investment advisor which produces the podcast show and makes it available to his website and through other distribution channels. Elijah One Ridgeway and any guests on the podcast are providing their own views and opinion are not necessarily the views and opinions of AB Ridgeway Wealth Management. Nothing on the podcast show should be construed as a solicitation or offer or recommendation to buy or sell any Pacific security. 
Investment advisory services are only provided to investors who become AB Ridgeway Wealth Management clients pursuant to a written investment management agreement. Clients of AB Ridgeway Wealth Management may hold positions as securities discussed in the podcast. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investment involve risk and may lose money. Financial advisors say the Darnest Thing podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied on for any investment decisions. Instead, please consult with a financial advisor, accountant, attorney, and or conduct your own due diligence. Daddy, are you done yet? Almost. Why? Can I sit? Come inside.